Hi guys, it's Susie here. I'm uh, at Moksha Yoga out here in Moyobamba, Peru. We just finished a, a two-week-long yoga training, and I'm here with Arbelli, who is one of our yoga instructors. And so, um, Arbelli, if you just want to start off with um, who you are, where you're from, and tell me where your uh, yoga journey began. Hey, Susie. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am from Mexico. I was born there in the state of Sonora. That's northwest, close to Baja, California. And then my family, we moved to Montreal, Quebec, when I was five years old. And then I grew up there. And then I ended up moving to um, Saskatchewan, which is right in the middle of Canada when I was 20. Um, and that's where I permanently live right now. Um, I found yoga when I was 18 years old, still living in Montreal. Um, a friend of mine was like, come try this out. And I didn't actually want to because I was a competitive ex-gymnast. And I thought that I had this image that yoga was like for weaklings or boring or for older people or just stretching. Yeah. Um, but my friend was like, please come, come. Just do an introductory week for $20. And if you don't like it, don't come back. I said, okay. So she took me to a hot yoga class, and surprisingly, I found it very challenging, and that challenge got me hooked, and I kept going almost every single day. After four months of practicing regularly, I knew I wanted to teach yoga for a living, and that has been my journey, or the start of my journey anyway. Okay, <laughs> awesome. And how was it getting into the transition from doing yoga to becoming a teacher? Well, I decided to become a teacher maybe after one a year or a year and a half of practicing regularly, mm -hmm. um, which seems like not a lot of time, but the practice really um, touched me at a deep, deep level where I felt deep uh, transformation within. And I felt like it was my duty to share this with other people in hopes of students experiencing this healing benefits of the practice as well. Yeah. So um, I decided to go to India when I was 19 years old to mm -hmm. do a 500-hour uh, training. Through back then, it was actually also called Moksha Yoga, like this school now, but it has nothing to do with Moksha, this school. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, <laughs> That's ironic. Yeah, so it was a hot yoga. And um, yes, did that for one month in India, and the whole training took one year to complete through okay. online uh, components. Gotcha. And, yes. And then my yoga journey then led me to uh, teaching yoga in Montreal. And then actually when I moved to Saskatchewan, there was no hot yoga. So then I got into Ashtanga yoga when I was about 22 or so and that took me into a different path where Ashtanga yoga is now my main discipline and what I love to do six days a week that's what you do every morning yes six days a week except yeah. for moon days we don't practice on full moon mm -hmm. new moon when we are menstruating or when we are sick 
Okay. <laughs> and for people who don't know what Ashtanga is, can you kind of give an overview of what that looks like for you every morning? Yes. So Ashtanga is a traditional style of yoga that comes from Mysore, India. So there's a lineage to it. It is passed down from teacher to student. Mm-hmm. So Patabi Joyce is the man who popularized Ashtanga and brought it over to the West in the 1970s. He passed away in 2009, but his grandson, Sharat Joyce, is now the lineage holder in Mysore. So foreigners come to Vishala from all over the world to practice with Sharat Joyce. Um, and I've had the fortune of practicing with him twice. Wow. In 2014 and 2016, and I hope to go again. That's amazing. Yes, so the Ashtanga style of yoga, there's six series to it, um, and it requires a lot of discipline, a lot of uh, commitment to it, because you really have to change your whole lifestyle in order to make space to practice before sunrise and to go through this sequence that is very challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes you say no to social commitments. If it's going, if it's late at night, you really have to be mindful of your dinner, what you eat, um, and just making space to be able to wake up early in the morning and feel good to practice. That kind of leads into my next question with how yoga has changed your life. You know, thinking about your life before you discovered yoga and then after, obviously, like you're healthier, your eating habits are better, um, you have more energy. What are some other ways that you really can see that your life has transformed in different ways since you started? There are some ways, Susie, but I feel like the biggest thing it has given me was that I suffered as a teenager uh, with mental illness, Mm -hmm. and um, I was depressed as a teenager, and when I found yoga when I was 18, it completely changed my life. Um, I found a new relationship with myself and I really found Mm self-love and that's something that I didn't have before yeah yes I found uh, confidence within myself and a new way of relating to the world around me I found a way to shift my perspective and to not feel like things were happening to me yeah (laughs) Um, and I felt like I could finally have agency and power over what happens in my life simply by being able to control the way I thought Mm -hmm. so that was a huge catalyst that yoga gave me that that power I feel like a lot of people focus on the physical aspects of yoga people may be beginning or not knowing kind of the foundations of yoga so um, really diving deep into the the mental parts and mental aspects of yoga you just kind of touched on it but can you kind of go on it on a deeper level of what the foundations of yoga actually are that don't have to do with the physical parts so it's normal to get into yoga with the physical body because that's the most tangible thing that we have we all have a body and we all breathe Mm -hmm. so for example it doesn't attract westerners as much or people in general to just meditate okay come reach yoga through meditation not many people are interested in that but people look at the poses and they're like that looks like fun oh hot yoga oh power yoga oh this so automatically that's a really easy entry point Mm -hmm. then when you see what your body is capable of doing and that you overcome poses that you couldn't do before that in itself brings you so much confidence 
experience and you feel good by knowing that you put effort into something and you're achieving it. Yeah. So it is important to get into the physical too because that leads to something more profound. Mm -hmm. When students experience Shavasana at the end, they also experience a way to relax to feel refreshed, to feel renewed. And basically, they just feel better after the class than before. So they want to keep repeating it, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And then you can get curious about where yoga comes from. So then you read like sacred texts and the yoga sutras and the Bhagavad Gita and you inquire more. And that leads to more. Mm -hmm. yes. Can you kind of touch on just like a little bit the eight sutras of yoga, foundations of yoga? I know we went over those in, in some of our classes, but those really helped me at least with the first two. So maybe you can give a... Yes. What did you tell us? So, so Patanjali was a sage around 200 BC who created the eight limbs of yoga, known as Ashtanga Yoga, but not to be confused with the Ashtanga Yoga that I practice on a daily basis, because that's a physical style of yoga. Mm -hmm. This is a technique or a method that he describes on how to attain enlightenment or samadhi. So there was eight of them. The first is yama, ethical codes of behavior. There's five of them, but that won't get into them. <laughs> then there yeah. is niyama, practices for um, to better ourselves on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. There's five of them. Then there is asana, what people know as yoga in the West. Your hatha yoga, your yin yoga, your restorative yoga, your power yoga, ashtanga yoga, all the physical style of yoga. That goes into asana. Yeah. Then there's pranayama, which is breath work or energy, life force. Mm -hmm. That would be the, your alternate nostril breathing and other kinds of breaths. And pratyahara is sense withdrawal. So mm -hmm. practices where you're not just uh, going with all the senses. Oh, this ice cream looks very good. I will eat a gallon. Oh, this 12 pack of beer. Oh, this, that, that. Yeah, learn to go within and not to look for external. Mm -hmm. Dharana is uh, concentration. Dhyana is meditation. And then the eighth and final one is samadhi, which translates to enlightenment or absorption. Mm -hmm. It is very important to have the first two down, which is why I gave like a, over a three-hour lecture just on the first two, yama and niyama. Yeah. How before be you live. a better person in the world. Mm -hmm. And I really liked how you talked a lot about um, self-harm and harm to others because if you're harming yourself you it's so easy to harm others and I think we can all fall into that you know the negative self-talk and we don't realize how that affects the outside world around us so mastering kind of that self-talk as well and the the stories that we tell ourselves impact Definitely. everything around us yes and I feel Susie that meditation is a really great way to get to know your thought patterns mm -hmm. just sitting with yourself and then meditating and you'll see what goes on in your head every seconds every minute yeah you see what you're living with mm -hmm. this is you yeah <laughs> exactly and learning how to not absorb those negative thoughts if you do have one but learning methods that, you know, letting that float by you or processing that 
um, so it doesn't absorb you or, or consume you or bring negative energy into your body or into your life. Yes, you can learn to be a witness and to just remove yourself and be like, interesting, mm -hmm. instead of being like, I feel this way, this is who I am. Exactly. And identify with everything your mind is saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not who you are. It's just a thought that's trying to float through your brain and you can, um, learning how to, through meditation, um, not allow that to consume you is so freeing. And then your brain is clear. Yes. Once it's clear, you're so much more capable of doing so much more. And you're not stuck. That's right. And it also teaches you to live in the present so that you're not thinking about the past, which doesn't exist, or the future, which hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. It really allows you to live in a state of just moment-to-moment -moment experience. Yeah. And how not to react from past conditioning. Mm, yeah. Yes, that's a huge thing. Yeah, it's so true. It's like rewiring, re rewiring your brain because your brain is so used to functioning in a certain way. Yes, and we're used to reacting from things that have happened to us. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we can tell ourselves just because this happened, it doesn't mean I have to react the same way. Yes, so. I love that. Um, you talked about responding versus reacting yes. before. Yeah. Um, okay. So also just, I know you're so disciplined with your Ashtanga every morning. Can you give some tips on how, I know you say it's like brushing your teeth, just do it every day. Um, but how do you stay this disciplined? Did it take several years to really, you know, have you had moments in life where it's been harder? Or what do you do to stay on track with that discipline? Yes. So I, when I first started the Mysore style of Ashtanga yoga, which is the traditional way that yoga, Ashtanga yoga is taught to a student, it's not a lead class where a teacher in the front of a room leading a one hour or 90 minute class and all the students are following. My sort of style is like each student goes at their own pace. They're doing their own sequence. A sequence can be 45 minutes to two hours maybe. And the teacher is just walking around the room physically adjusting every student and giving verbal cues. Um, so uh, how do I maintain this discipline? So first, you start with coming three times a week if you're a new student. And this is how I began as well. I didn't just start off with six days a week off the bat. Mm -hmm. That might be aiming too high, and maybe you get a little bit discouraged or burn out right away. Yeah. So minimum three times a week if someone is a beginner student. Commit to that. Mm -hmm. With that, you have something to work with. Yeah. And then you gra gradually build and build and build. Yeah, you don't go full force. Dive in. No. <laughs> yeah, I think that's common too with yoga. When people discover yoga, they get so excited about it that they're like, oh, I want to do all these moves and poses and their bodies aren't ready yet. So allowing your body to slowly you know, get more flexible and move into different positions. Like even when I got here, I was like, I'm going to do a handstand right away. And that you can't just do that. It takes longer than you think it's going to take for your yes. body to adjust. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point, Suze. Do you see that a lot in your classes where students are just trying to push their bodies a little too 
far too fast? It depends on the personality, but I always think that you can tell a lot about a student's personality by the way they practice. Mm-hmm. I can tell if a student is very type A, um, if they're <laughs> perfectionist, if they're lazy, if they get frustrated quickly or have maybe anger issues. You can yeah. tell right away. It comes out in the practice. You're so right. Our personalities really do come out in yoga. Yeah. Yeah, yes, it's true. And then you were also saying before about how the practice changes in accordance to your life. And it totally does. Yeah. Because I used to work at a government job, a desk job, 40 hours a week for about a, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And my practice suffered. So you go through phases with the practice. Yeah. Yes. I know also when um, women give birth, they can't do their full-on practice as well. They have to practice around their baby's schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any events that happen or traumatic things, that can also affect your practice. So, But what's great about it is that it's always there for you. Yeah. Meaning like no matter how much time off you take, the practice is still there. Yeah. It's not ever going to abandon you. And, I- and it meets you you exactly where you are mm-hmm. so there is no uh, place that you need to be and, yeah. and we have to let go of this conception of like oh I was able to do this last year or two months ago mm-hmm. why can't I do it you're in a different place every single day emotionally physically and I tell students that they have to see what is the purpose of the practice. It's not for the poses or to bind in, in a certain pose. Or it's that's not what it's about. It's for yeah. what it makes you feel on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and we're practicing yoga to have a better life. On yeah. The out on our day to day to be better humans, mm-hmm. to have better relationships. So yeah. you just take that in. I love all the deep layers of yoga. When you really start to unravel all the things that it means. And even when I I remember I asked you too, like, are there days that you don't feel like it? You know, just don't feel like doing your Ashtanga practice. But I mean, even on those days, like you said, you take it slow and you always end up feeling better after. Yes. Every time. Yes. And I think it's important uh, that discipline, we're doing it even if you don't feel like it because you realize what the practice does for you. Yeah, you always feel. So after stretching, after meditating, anything in yoga, you always, always end up feeling better. That's always the result. Yes, and then you also learn to decipher our the mind, right? It's, yeah. Are you not practicing because you're actually sick or injured, or are you just feeling lazy, right? Mm-hmm. So you just learn to identify, okay, what am I really feeling? And that's another feeling or emotion like we talked about, where that's what yoga is about, is overcoming those feelings or emotions and not letting them consume us, which I think is so common in our society today, is people are like, oh, I'm feeling lazy, and they let that emotion control their entire day. Yes, and I think where it gets a little bit, um, um, the line gets a little bit blurry because in yoga we also talk about listening to our body. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it can just be like, well, I need the rest today because I'm listening to my body. Mm-hmm. In Ashtanga, it's a little bit more like we don't practice 
for those reasons I mentioned, right? If you're really sick, if you're menstruating, if it's a new moon. So we say even if you do five sun salutations, A, 3B, close, even if you shorten your practice. Yeah. Yeah, and then get on your mat. And if you really still don't feel good, you can close, but at least you tried. You can always meditate on your mat. <laughs> you always have that option. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, so you've traveled to so many different places with yoga. Do you have a favorite place that you've been or um, are they all special to you in different ways? My favorite place so far, Susie, has been Bali, but I have not done that because of yoga. It was just one of the places I went to in 2020 okay. right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Have you been there? I haven't been. No, but I want to go. Yeah. How many places have you, how many countries have you been to? Um, I believe it's around 20. Wow. But there is, you know, there is more than 100 in this world. So, <laughs> um, so lots more I want to go yeah, to. Yeah, I know. We've all I've got always to wanted do. to go to Nepal ever since I was 14 years old. Oh. And it's right on top of India. And I just never made it there, but I'd love to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been close. You've been to India before. Yeah. You've said hi to it <laughs> from India. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then just for people that are just starting getting into yoga, what are some tips or advice you could have for them just to, you know, maintain it and stick with it? First thing I say is find a teacher. Find mm -hmm. a studio or a teacher. Yeah. It's better than doing online because you have that personal connection. Yeah. And what teacher? It's important that you find someone you trust um, and that you feel that they want your well-being for you, that it's a connection of trust. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. very important, and you feel safe with them. So a student must seek a teacher. Okay. Um, it's nice for them to feel like they have a community and a studio that they can go to. Yeah. Sometimes that's even more important than the, what this. Uh, teacher is teaching in the class right feeling the connection and the yes. energy of the studio because every studio has a completely different energy yes this is true this is true yeah and they have to feel it intuitively mm -hmm. if there is something not right because we'd like to think yoga is all about positive energy good vibes and this is not always the case yeah so if there is something that doesn't feel right for them to go with their intuition mm -hmm. and to keep searching yeah I think that's really a really good point because I think some people will go to one yoga studio and they don't like it and then they're like, I don't like yoga, you know? Yes. And, and they're all different. It's so unfortunate because there's so many different styles, so many different teachers. Yeah. Yes. And that's one thing that I had learned as well when I first started doing um, yoga recently, earlier this year, is that there are so many different types of styles, even within a style, like vinyasa, for example. There's so many different ways to do vinyasa, so many different types of music, different paces. Mm -hmm. uh, so really trying out different classes until you figure out what type of yoga jives with you yes. because there's literally something for everyone. Yes. And sometimes it's as simple as someone can only go at a certain time of day and the convenience of the studio. And that might be enough. Yeah. Okay, I can go before work. I can go after work. And you find something to that. Yeah. And then you work with that. Yeah, yeah. Work around what, what works for you and your schedule. Yes. Uh, and then overall, kind of the health, uh, beyond the physical and mental, what is your day-to-day -day lifestyle like when you're not 
you know, at this training, obviously we have a pretty regimented schedule, but whenever you don't have that, what is your lifestyle and, and day-to-day um, routine like? Well, I wake up at 5 in the morning um, and I do, I make a coffee, I do a bit of stretching, and then I start doing my practice at 6 in the morning, uh, my Ashtanga practice. And I'm fortunate now that the pandemic happened and I don't have a community to go to in person. I've been doing my source style online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have a teacher that can look through online, that can see my practice, and I have a community of online Ashtangis where we can talk and stuff and that's been really great Um, Mm -hmm. and I get to do that out of my living room so that's just easy Um, yeah Yes, and that starts my morning off right. And I teach um, around 15 classes a week, uh, give or take, if I'm subbing or the time of season it is. Could yeah. be around that. But that's what I do full time. Okay, awesome. Yes. <laughs> well, well, thank you for sharing your yoga journey with me. I-